Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for the glory of the cross. God, we thank you for what you have done through your son, Jesus Christ, and the fact that though it does not make sense to us, we cannot wrap our minds around the fact that the only way that sin could be paid for is for you to kill your son for all of us. But Lord, all we know is that we trust that and we have faith in that, and that because of that we have victory. So I praise your name for the victory that we have through Christ Jesus. Lord, I praise your name for the fact that it is not about religious activity, but it is all about following Christ, pursuing the face of God, running the race, God, and, and finishing well. It's not about all the other things that we do, God. It is about our pursuit of Christ and our pursuit to be more like Christ. So, Lord, I pray as we open your word, as we look at what you have to say to us, God, I pray that you would speak to your people, that you would open their eyes and open their hearts to the truth of your word. God, nothing else matters right now. It's only about your word and the truth of your word. So, God, help us to tune into that and that alone. Lord, I pray that, God, you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today is, is New Year's Day. Um, some people have chosen to do a little bit different services or uh, change up their times. We didn't feel like God was leading us to do that, so we're having a 9 o'clock service, an 11 o'clock service, like we always do. Uh, I, I don't say that boastfully, I just say that that's what God called us to do, so that's what we're doing. Um, uh, just so you know, kind of how I operate um, is that God leads us to do certain things, and, and in my life, what I have learned to do is that I continue doing those things until God tells me to do something different. So if you're wondering, like, how do you know if I'm supposed to do this or supposed to do that, or what am I supposed to do in this situation, unless God gives you clarity to do something different, I just continue to do the same thing I have been doing. Um, so that's what we did today. Um, I didn't feel like we were supposed to change anything, so I didn't. We just did what we've always done, and that's what I'm going to continue to do, is I'm going to continue to do what God's called us to do, uh, and if God changes that, so be it. But until that time, I'm just going to continue to do the same thing. So today... Uh, we're talking about renewal, you know, everybody's talking about and New Year's resolutions and there'll be 50 million messages preached today on resolutions and that's great, that's fine, that's wonderful, we're kind of going to do the same thing. Uh, we did this in our, uh, it, during our youth camp, the messages that we taught there were about these New Year's resolutions and about renewal and, and the thing that, that we have had impressed upon our hearts is that there's a difference between religious activity and genuine renewal that comes through Christ, and, and, and this pursuit, this change, this living a changed life that happens as a result of what God has done in your life, that, that, that you live this transformed life, that there's a big difference between doing a lot of religious stuff and living a transformed life. And one of the main things that Jesus came to point out, especially to the Pharisees, whom, he, by the way, he came to die for, like we just sang about one of the things that he really wanted to impress upon their hearts was the fact that it was not about the boxes that they checked and the religious activity. It was all about the heart. And it was all about living a renewed life through Christ and the fact that, that they had gotten it wrong for so much of their lives and they didn't understand what God was trying to do. It wasn't about the, 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 the law. It was so much about the heart. And one of the things that I, I, I really want you to, to get today is that Religious activity will get you nowhere. Amen. It will get you nowhere. 
But does that mean that we're supposed to do nothing? Some people get that confused. They say, well, God's going to do it in my heart. I just have to sit back and sit on my hands and do nothing. That's not the picture of what God's word says. He says, Jesus says, to get away from the religious activity and start doing things in which you are pursuing Christ. Run hard after Christ. Don't sit there and do nothing. Run hard after Christ. The things that God has called you to do, and in particular the gospel, Run hard after those things. This sanctification process, that big churchy word that just means the, char- the heart change that happens over time as a result of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within you, showing you the things that you shouldn't do and the things you should do, that you're supposed to listen closely to that voice for the purpose of being able to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can be renewed and they can live that transformed life, that that's what it's about. So I started thinking about resolutions, of course. And uh, I started thinking about the fact that I told our kids this in our youth camp, the fact that, uh, that on January 1, you'll see a ton of people out on the road running today, probably, right? I'm, get, I'm getting back on track, right? I'm, I'm going to get this body back in shape. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's just going to be a lean, mean, uh, beach-ready machine, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm getting it ready. Because January 1st is when we do that. We leave 2016 behind. We can, we, can, we can go forward 2017, man, I am going to get fit, and I'm going to get toned, and I'm going to get in shape. And then by February 1st, you know, you know, the gym membership comes up for renewal on February 1st, and you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's really worth it. You know, I signed up for the gym membership January 1, and then uh, I made it to about January the 10th, and by January the 11th, I was not so sure. I got sick, and, and I didn't really feel like going then, and then I hadn't been back in two weeks, and... Maybe I don't need to renew on February, I, you know. But that's what happens. I mean, the gyms, they look forward to January because that's when, that's when they get a lot of new sign-ups. That's when it was supposed to happen, right? I mean, like, you see a huge influx of people. Let's sign up. January 1, I'm in. And in February 1, I forget to renew because I hadn't been there in two weeks. You know what I mean? I, I got to thinking about this, uh, this in particular, you know, because Paul, he uses a lot of analogies, especially when it comes to physical fitness. He does a lot of analogies between that and spiritual fitness. So I got to thinking about when I was in the best shape of my life, okay? So I was playing soccer, and I was like about a 10th grader, I guess. Um, I played all the way through high school, but I really feel like the best shape I was ever in was when I was in 10th grade, and I was like, I was going to soccer practice, and our coach didn't know a whole lot about soccer, but he didn't know a whole lot about running, so he just knew to make us run, and he told us that when the other team was exhausted, we would still be able to run, and he was right. So I would go to practice, and I would run like seven miles at practice, and then I would come home on top of that and run two or three miles. And my parents can testify. I'm not lying to you, by the way. I actually did this, okay? So uh, anyway, so we would, I, this was the best shape I've ever been in. And I don't know if they do this anymore, but I know that when I was in high school, they had the, the Presidential Fitness Award that you could get. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you did the V-sit and reach and the number of pull-ups and the, the mile in a certain amount of time, then you could get the presidential or you get the governor's award and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if they still do that or not, but they did that back in that day, uh, which was like a million years ago. So anyway, so we, I was determined that because I was in the best shape of my life that I was going to get the presidential fitness award. I was absolutely set on it. I want to do it. I know I can run the mile in that amount of time. But there was this one dude, man. I, 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 there was this one guy that you can tell it doesn't bother me anymore, right? Like, so that was, <laughs> that was back, I was in 10th grade, and I'm still like agonizing over it. There was this one guy, 
And uh, I don't know, I don't know how to say this, but he was passionate about the military, okay? Like, uh, I don't know why you're laughing yet, but anyway, so he, he would like, he wore fatigues to school every day, all right? Some of you that, that were around my age, you may know this guy. I'm not going to name him, but anyway, uh, we actually had a nickname for him. I don't even know what his real name was, but he was passionate about the military. I mean, whoever wears fatigues to school every day, they're passionate about the military. I'm talking about head shaved, war fatigues. If you had somebody like that in your class today, you'd probably report, report him to somebody, right? You'd probably go, you know, we need to tell the FBI, the NSA, something. We need to tell on this guy, uh, you know, post 9-11 days, everybody's a little more skittish of that kind of thing. But anyway, I mean, he really didn't have, you know, prejudice or anything like that. He just loved the military. And uh, he was determined that when he got out of high school, he was going into the military. We knew it. Everybody knew it. But this dude could run like the wind, okay? Like, he drove me crazy. He was in 11th grade. I was in 10th grade. And he could just run. And I knew, I knew, I said, when it comes to Presidential Fitness Award test time, this guy is going to be killing it. And I, I, and I, I look, I had trained, y'all, and I was in the best shape of my life. And I had that skinny dancer's physique. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, I had... I look, I look like a Kenyan runner. I was, I was ready to go for the Presidential Fitness Award, you know? But I said, man, i got to beat this dude. It came Presidential Fitness Award time, when, and, and we got down to the mile. We run in the mile, and we had a certain time. And uh, I'll never forget it. That dude, he, he took off, y'all. I mean, he, he was flying. It was... It was like trying to chase a squirrel in the backyard. I mean, it was, the, the dude was, he, he could just move. And I, I never did catch him. I, I really, I, I want to tell you that I just beat him. And that would be a great story. But I never did catch him, okay? Like, he still beat me by like 10 yards at, at the finish line. But um, that, what's the interesting part of that story is the mile is not what kept me from getting the Presidential Fitness Award, by the way, which I did not get. I got the governor's, which I was very upset about. But I was... I was extremely limber and stuff, but I don't know if I got long legs or whatever, but I could not make the Presidential Fitness Award for the V-Sit and Reach. That was the only area where I fell short. I could actually put my forehead, I can't even put my forehead on my knee in any shape or form now, but I could put my forehead on my knees, and I was that limber and stuff, but I still did not make it for the V-Sit and Reach. So that was the part where I fell short on. I don't know if that has anything to do with the message or not, but anyway, so running the race, it's all about running the race, right? It's all about running the race. And here today, we're going to look at Paul, and, and he, he, he points out a few things to us. Uh, specifically, today's message is, is, is going to revolve around this idea. We've got to back up, and we've got to get a running start into it, no pun intended. But, but, but today, uh, since we're talking about renewal, we're talking about uh, getting focused on 2017, uh, today's message kind of re- revolves around Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, the second half of it. It goes like this. It says, But I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And that's kind of going to be our focus today is is, is what is Paul saying here? What is he trying to teach us? What is he trying to teach the Philippian church at this point in time? Where is he going with this idea that, that I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead? Now, I don't know if you've tried this or not, but has anybody ever tried to run backwards? I would venture to say that, that unless you're some kind of star athlete, five-star athlete or something like that, that you probably can't run as fast backwards as you can forwards. Am I right about that? If you can, you probably got a career in the NFL coming up. So, um, 
But, but really, some of us are trying to run the race facing backwards. Some of us are, are looking so far behind us that we're not looking forward to where we're going. And because of that, man, I don't know if you know this or not, but you try to run fast backwards, you trip up a lot. You trip up and fall a lot. I know that I do. And here, I want us in, in 2017, I told you I want it to be all about courage for us. I want us to be so focused on where we're going and not where we have been. Uh, Simple Church has been a part of some great things. We've done a lot of mission stuff. And, and, but I, I'm telling you right now, I don't want us to, to fall back on that and say, man, look how far we've come. Look at, look at what has happened. We're at two services, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is where we're going, what we're going to do with, with, with the capacity for the gospel that God has implanted in the pe- people of this church. I want us to look forward to what we are going to do, not what we have done, because that doesn't matter now because that's in the past. I don't want us to be running with our, our, our backs to, to where we're going. I want us to be facing forward, going where we're supposed to be going, and looking at the prize, which is what Paul goes on to talk about here in just a minute. So let's look in Philippians chapter 3. We're actually going to start in verse 1, and we've got to kind of get a running start on this So before we get all the way to verse 13. So we're going to start in, cha- in chapter 3, verse 1. It says, whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. That, that's a good word in itself, right? No matter what happens, rejoice in the Lord. We have a tough time doing that as human beings, admittedly, don't we? We have a tough time looking at the death of a loved one. Uh, cancer striking, any of those kinds of things, uh, somebody that we love dearly, somebody that we care about, them turning their backs on us, maybe walking out the door. We have a difficult time rejoicing in whatever happens. It causes us sometimes to look in reverse, look behind us. And, and Paul just says, whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. He says, man, he says, I'm going to be here tomorrow to continue preaching this gospel. I'm going to be here the next day after that and the day after that, and I'm going to do everything I can to, to try to show you the truth of God, and, and I'm going to do everything I can to try to keep you facing forward and keep you pursuing Christ. But then he kind of changes gears a little bit, and he says, he says but you've got to be on the lookout here. Look, look at verse 2. It says this, watch out for those dogs. I love the NLT version. Watch out for those dogs, man. I think that's a powerful verse too. Those people who do evil, those manipulators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. There's a few people chuckling right now. I'll tell you why. (laughs) And it's those people, those adults in particular that went on the youth trip with us. My daughter's already shaking her head. No, wave off. She's, yeah, (laughs) like if she was in the the tower right now uh, on an aircraft carrier, she'd be going, wave off, daddy, wave off. The landing is not good here. So I had to cover circumcision at our youth trip because we were talking about religious activity. And let me tell you, in case you're wondering, if you're a parent here and you're worried about me covering circumcision on our youth trip, this is what I said. There are Jewish boys and there are Jewish girls. Boys and girls are different and there's some cutting. And then I left it at that, Okay. So, if you've got a young adult or, or maybe a kid that was there at the, uh, the youth trip, you may have some explaining to do when they come and ask you what circumcision is all about. But that's how we covered it on our youth trip. Isn't that right, Shane? We did. He said, there's boys and then there's girls, and they're different. 
And the Jewish boys wanted to be identified as true Israelites, and there was some cutting. All right, so moving on. He says there's some people who say you must be circumcised in order to be saved. He said these are manipulators of the truth, is what he says. They're dogs. They're evil. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that for just a second. Let me move on for just a second. He says you must be circumcised to be saved, for we worship by the Spirit of God, we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have had confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. He goes on to tell why, why he would have confidence in the fact that he was made right with God based on his religious activity. He goes on to say this, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was, a member of one of the, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And for, as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So Paul is saying, look, if anybody's got a reason to boast about being right with God, it would be me. He says, I was circumcised like I was supposed to. I was a part of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I was even a Pharisee. And we obeyed the law to the strictest degree. He said, he said man, this, this is the life that I was living. It was all about the religious activity. It was all about the, the boxes that I was checking and the things that I was doing. And that's what I was focused on, right? And he says, I mean, if you think about what he was doing, he was, he was working hard. There's a big difference, y'all, between activity and productivity. You know that? There's a, a real big difference between just doing a bunch of stuff and doing the right stuff. Do you realize that you may not have to do as much stuff if you do the right stuff? There's a bunch of people like running hard and they're on a treadmill. You know what I mean? Like they're not going anywhere. They're working real hard, but nothing's happening, you know? And then there's productivity. There's a big difference between activity and productivity. And productivity means that we are going to focus on the main thing and do those things, and we're not going to be so worried about the activity. Now, church, I, look, I've been a part of church for a while. Church has to sometimes, they, they get focused away from productivity and get focused on activity, and we think that if we do enough stuff, then that must mean that we're going to be productive for the kingdom of God. In particular, I can remember being a part of a, a youth ministry where a lot of times we would do stuff for the sake of doing stuff, right? Like, somehow, if we kept kids at church enough hours of the day, then that would keep them from doing bad stuff when they were away from church. Having been a youth pastor and a college pastor, let me tell you something, that don't work. It really don't. I mean, it's good to have fellowship. It's good to bring people uh, around other Christians, and it's good to do stuff together. I'm not saying that it's not. But I'm telling you, there's a big difference between just doing stuff and doing the right stuff. And at this church, let me tell you, I am absolutely focused on doing the right stuff. We may not do as much stuff. And some people will criticize us because we don't have Sunday night worship and, you know, you're going to hell because you don't come back at 5.30 to do worship and all that kind of stuff. I don't care. I don't care. I believe that we need to focus on doing the things that we're supposed to do. And if we do just a bunch of stuff and it's not really serving the main purpose, see, what will happen is, and this is what, this is what I'm afraid of, 
If we, just, if we just bring you back at 5.30 on a Sunday night, and we do that over and over and over again, eventually when we have something special that we're doing during the week, maybe it's a service project, or maybe we're asking you to go to the soup kitchen on a Saturday, you're going to say, man, I've already been to church, I've already done this, this stuff like so many times this week, and you're going to be burnt out to a degree where you don't want to do the other stuff that is more productive. And that's the reason I believe that, that, that we're, I, I'm okay with, and I know that we have small groups on the first and third Sundays, okay? And by the way, we've got small groups tonight. The small groups are important, but it ain't a church service. So tonight we'll have small groups at 530 and we'll be in the fellowship of other believers and we'll be studying God's word and we'll be talking about the things of God because that's productive. It's not just showing up and saying, well, we had another worship service. We must be going to heaven. Check. I want to do more things that are productive as opposed to just doing a bunch of activities. And I believe that, that Paul hits the nail on the head here. He says, I was, man, I was doing a lot of activities. I was doing a lot of work in order to be able to pursue righteousness. I thought I was righteous. I thought, it was, I thought that's what it was about. I thought it was about the law. And here, look what, look what Paul says. Wait, I got, a, I got an illustration. I like illustrations. You guys identify with those. I was sitting over there and I was praying and God said, you got an illustration over here. He said, I thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, my, Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. Sorry, I lost my spot. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. This is what he says. He said, I looked at all that stuff I was doing, all that activity, and, and, and I recognized that it was worthless. It was, it was just garbage. It, it was just activity and not productivity. He said, and now, now I realize what it is. It's living that transformed life through Christ. That's real renewal. That's real righteousness. He says, because me pursuing all of these things are not adding up to being right with God. It's only through Christ and what he did. That's the only way I can obtain righteousness. It is through faith in Christ and Christ alone. That if we do it another way, we're just spinning our wheels. We're not getting anywhere. So if you want to think about, man, what am I supposed to do? What, if I'm going to be renewed this year, if I'm going to be refocused on something this year, what am I supposed to do, Kenny? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? You know what my answer to this is? Focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. You, you want to live that transformed life. Focus on Christ. In 2017. This, this is what we get caught up in sometimes. 
I, I was focused on Christ. I was. That's good, man. You know what I say that? It's garbage. I, I would say, what are you doing now? Where are you headed now? Where is your focus now? Where are you going now? Is it, is it, are you fixed on Christ or are you fixed on something else? You, you want to know how to live this transformed life. Fix your eyes on Christ and pursue Him. Run the race, man. Some of us are sitting on the sideline watching people go by and we're just going, well, I was running a long time ago. Are you running today? Or are you sitting there watching everybody else run? Are you, are you sitting there looking back at the glory days, man? Like I used to play soccer in high school and I used to be so fit back then. Are you, are you doing that or are you looking at your life now saying, all right, I've endured a lot of stuff. I've endured a lot of junk in my life. And, and that's for the purpose of not so I can, I, can, I can look back at those things. It's for the purpose of me being able to fix my eyes more on Christ. All that stuff was just God purifying me and ripping some stuff out of me that didn't belong there. So now I can run the race even more. You see, there, there's two sides to this coin. There, there, when you look backwards, when you look in reverse, what happens is that you can do one of two things. You, you can look back and say, look at all the good stuff I did. Look at all the boxes I've checked in my life. Man, I'm a good person. And you can be very legalistic in that approach and say, man, look at all these things that I did. And, and Paul's saying that thing too. Look, I could have said all of that. Look at all the things that I did. Or the flip side of that coin is this. You can also look backwards and you can say this. Look how messed up I am. Look at all the things I've done wrong. Look, look, at, look at how far I've fallen short over and over and over again. Look at how messed up I was. You know what I would say to that? Fix your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on Christ. Quit looking at the things you've done wrong. Quit, quit examining those things and seeing how, 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 how awful you are. And fix your eyes on Christ and say, what potential I have because of God, because I have, I have righteousness through my faith in Jesus Christ and that reason alone. Look at what potential I have for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, good news is we're getting into the main part of the message. I'm just kidding. But this is really kind of the heart of what we're saying here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. I don't mean to say that I have achieved these things or that I've always, already reached perfection. So here we say that, that, that he had a lot of activity and he was working really hard. And, and, and we think that, well, we're not supposed to work anymore because we have faith in Christ. We're made righteous with Christ and, and so we're done, right? I mean, God could just take us to heaven right now. Like, boom. Like, I mean, you got saved, put your faith in Christ. You've been made clean. You, you're seen as righteousness, righteous because of what Christ has done. Take us to heaven. All right, we're ready. But is that the end of the story? Did, 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 did you die immediately once you put your faith in Christ? You got baptized and boom, you were taken to heaven immediately? Like Enoch, he wasn't and he wasn't. Like, I mean, just, is that what happened? No, that's not what would happen. It's almost like there's a purpose for us being here. It's almost like that there's a reason we're still around. And Paul says, 
listen to me. He says, I, I want you to understand. He says, I've still got some work to do. He says, he says, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things. I have already achieved perfection. He said, there is still some work to do. And, and he, says, he says, I haven't achieved perfection. And what does that imply there? It, 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 let me go on and read. It says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. This is what he says. He says, there's still some work to do. What, what's the work to do? It's to be like Christ, isn't it? That, that, that's, the, that's the thing that we're supposed to do. Not a bunch of religious activity, because that's garbage. To be like Christ and, and to try to, to, to attain that perfection of being like Christ, that's the work that still has to be done. Now, I, I don't want you to confuse the two. Am I saying then that, 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 that you don't have to come to, to small groups because that's religious activity? It's religious activity if you just come to small groups. It's, it's pursuing Christ and pursuing the perfection of Christ when you come prepared in your heart and mind to learn something more about God and to fellowship with other believers so you might lift them up or to be an encouragement to somebody or pray for somebody who's dealing with something in their life. See, you can just do stuff without ever meaning stuff. You see what I'm saying? I don't want you to come to small groups if you're going to sit there and just sit on your hands and your heart's not prepared in order for you to be able to come closer to Christ or closer to the, the Christians that are in your group. I don't want you to come if that's the case. Stay at home. You can do that at home and just sit there and go, I wish I was there. That's just as good as coming in here without the right heart and mindset and coming in here for small groups. Now, you won't hear that preached a lot of, a lot of places. Because there's a mentality that if we got a lot of people here, then we must be doing something good. That ain't right. That ain't right. You know, it, Jesus, matter of fact, he, the, whole, the whole thing behind him was there'd be a lot of people follow around Jesus, and they would, they would love just the way he made them feel, and feel, the fact they would fill up his belly. And they would fill it, he would fill up their bellies, and, and they, man, they love that. Man, show us another neat trick, Jesus. We're going to wait on you to do something. And they would just... Follow him around because they liked the stuff that he did. And Jesus said, you're missing everything. You're missing everything. You think it's got something to do with the, the stuff, man. It's got nothing to do with the stuff. It's got everything to do with you and where you are in your heart. You see, there's a big difference between just coming to church and coming to church. You know what I'm saying? You... You can do just as much good. If your heart and your mind is not right and you're not fixed on Christ and you're not pursuing Christ, you can do just as good sitting at McDonald's eating a bacon, egg, and cheese as you can sitting in that chair right there. He says, I still got work to do. I hadn't achieved that perfection. He says, but, but I press on to press... Possess the perfection on which, for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. Christ possessed him for the purposes of him being like Christ. And now that's his goal. That's his, that's his pursuit. That's what he's trying to do. He said, he said, Christ possessed me. He came to live in my life for the purposes of, uh, of me to reach the perfection of Christ. Now the purpose of my life becomes to reach the perfection of Christ. His will becomes my will. And my will becomes his will. You see how it works? 
There's a two-way street and there's, there's a hand-in-hand relationship of what's going on here. It doesn't just say that Christ comes in and he does all the work. It still says that, that man, there's, you've got a choice as to whether or not you do the work or not. You've got a choice as to whether or not you pursue Christ or not. It's not like it just comes in and you're like, okay, I'm done. And you've got a choice as to whether or not your will becomes his will. He, says, he goes on to say, no, brothers, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I hadn't gotten there yet. I'm still a work in progress. Is there anybody in here that's a work in progress? You don't have to raise your hand. But I'll tell you right here, standing up here on this, on this platform, there's somebody that's still a work in progress. Still a work in progress. Paul says he is. He says, I'm still a work in progress. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament rescued on the Damascus road, Damascus road by Christ himself. He used to kill Christians, and now he's a part of the sharing of the gospel. And, and, and now it's just, he's going out to the Gentile nations telling them, man, look, I used to be an Israelite. I used to do this. I used to do that. But listen to me. What you need is Christ. I was mistaken before. And I'm telling you, you need to pursue Christ. And, and Paul says, I'm a work in progress, y'all. It says, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So here's what, what Paul is saying. He's saying, so Christ indwelt me for the purposes of, of my perfection. Now the goal of my life is to pursue the perfection of Christ. And that's why we run the race. That's what the race is all about. It's about pursuing that perfection of Christ. And now what he's saying is, is I do that for the prize. Well, what is the prize? If we're, if we're trying to, to be like Christ, and Christ indwelled us for us to be like Christ... Then what's the prize? What's the end goal? What's, where, what are we running towards? It, it's not the Presidential Fitness Award certificate that you get. That's not it. What is it? What's the prize? For us to be made like Christ. For us to be made like Christ. Now we're taken from this life to the next, whether that happens at the end of your life, or because Jesus returns, whatever the case may be, is for us to be made like Christ. For us to finally get rid of this sinful flesh, this, this, this flesh that desires everything that is against God, that we struggle with every day, that we hate every day, that we wish we weren't like that every single day. The prize is this, is to get rid of the flesh and to be made like Christ. And that happens when we're taking... From, from this place into the very presence of God. If that's not a prize worth running for, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. I think that a lot of times we get wrapped up in, in doing stuff. And, and, and we're, we're running the race and, 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 and sometimes we're looking behind us trying to run and, 
And, and you know, real runners, you know what they focus on? They focus on the prize. Somebody said, well, didn't you feel so-and-so pressing up behind you? No, I was just running my own race. I was just running my own race. The prize is what we focus on. And it is to be made like Christ. In the very presence of God for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It wasn't about the activity. It was about your pursuit of Christ. It was about your heart and where your heart was headed and where you were fixing your eyes for the purposes of winning the prize. So my challenge to you this year, today, beginning today, is this. Did you think that the activity and doing stuff is what saved you? Has God opened your eyes to the fact that that's all garbage and doesn't mean anything? If you're not doing it with the right motivation, you're not doing it with the, the real internal motivation to be made like Christ? Are you just filling a seat? Are, are you just sitting there trying to fight and not falling asleep on Sunday mornings? Or are you truly praying, God, please do whatever it takes to make my heart right so I can tune in to what you're saying because I want to be made perfect like Christ. I want to do everything I can to pursue you, pursue your faith, pursue the things that you've been calling me to. I don't want to just sit there anymore. I want to be a person filled with courage and the boldness of Christ so I can go out into this world and tell them, man, you've got to run this race too. Because it's worth it. There's a prize at the end. It's to be made like Christ. I don't want to just sit on the sidelines and I don't want to run and do a bunch of stuff that's not in pursuit of the prize. If you're running the race backwards, if you're going the wrong way, they won't give you the trophy at the end. Fix your eyes on the prize. That's the challenge for this morning. Let me pray. Father, we get so distracted, God, not only by the things of this world, but by thinking in our own minds that it has something to do with activity and not productivity. So, Lord, I pray that today you've opened our eyes to the fact that it's all about you, just like it always has been. God, we forget that. I know that we forget that. God, it's about pursuing the perfection, God, that you've called us to through Christ Jesus. Just like everything, the way, the way Jesus taught and the, th the way Jesus preached, it was about the heart. And we can't do it apart from the heart. It has to come from the heart. It has to be about the heart. I know so many times we come in and we're just here to say that we've been to church. I pray that it wouldn't be like that. I pray that we would do everything that we can to say, God, do surgery on my heart. Awaken my soul to the fact that I desperately need you. And I need to pursue your son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, please do a great work in your people right now. Open their eyes to the truth of your word. God, and if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, God, and maybe, maybe today they've had their eyes opened to the fact that they really don't know you. They've just been doing some religious stuff. But they've not been, they've not been pursuing Christ because Christ doesn't live within them. And today you're calling them to salvation. I pray that, Lord, they would just surrender to you surrender everything to you and humbly come before your cross and ask it's not easy it's real difficult now, running this race race is difficult now, but the, the prize is worth running for
So, Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that they just need to, to be in the starting blocks and they need to start the race. Lord, I pray that they would do that. Surrender everything to you. Say, God, there's nothing good within me. The only thing that I can do is, is fall on your mercy and your grace and ask for your forgiveness. God, that they might be saved. Lord, this is your time for your people to respond. I pray that we do that. God, not, not for just the purposes of walking down to an altar. But God, so that we come down to an altar saying, God, I want to pursue your face. God, I want to renew my commitment to follow you, to get close to you, to seek your face. God, I pray that people would do that with the right heart. God, this time belongs to you. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Would everyone please stand?